This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, everyone. This is Bob Asman, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm really excited to have as our guest today, Lou Carbone, who I affectionately refer to often as the godfather of experience management. Uh, Welcome, Lou. We're really glad to have you today. And why don't you introduce yourself to the guests that, believe it or not, may not have heard of who Lou Carbone is? Well, Bob, thank you so very much. It's indeed uh, an honor and a pleasure to visit with you this morning and to actually chat about experience management. It's something that I've dedicated almost three decades to, uh, having started in the world as a journalist and then as a advertising and marketing executive, uh, entered into the world of experience management and wrote one of the very first articles that talked about experience management and really the advancement of the science of understanding experiences on a scientific level and the application of that work and have written uh, many uh, academic articles uh, with some really phenomenal friends and colleagues over the years that uh, have included Len Berry and Kathy Latour, some very, uh, very helpful people. And then of course, my uh, original author, uh, co-author, which was Stephen Hackle, who was the director of uh, advanced business, uh, the Advanced Business Institute at IBM, uh, Jerry Zaltman at the Harvard Business School. So I've been very blessed, Uh, wrote a book called Clued In, Uh, how to keep customers coming back again and again, and have been very active as the founder and CEO of an organization called Experience Engineering. And uh, our approach to experience management is, is one of engineering experiences. And it's based on clues and signals and the science of how we actually experience things. Been very excited that I just recently learned that uh, the academic articles have had over 50,000 reads uh, and uh, got a notice from uh, an organization just the day before last that tracks uh, academic papers that are written in terms of citations and reads. And very pleased that I've been able to watch the growth of this space over the last three decades. That's outstanding, Lou. Uh, Let's touch for a minute on 
on your book clued in. You know, there's a lot of business books that come and go. There's fads that come and go. You know, I'm, I'm reminiscent of process reengineering and, and other types of business book. Yours, your book clued in seems to have a stickiness to it. It seems to, to be um, hanging around and, and continues to be a guide for many CX professionals. <clears throat> what is it from your perspective that, that keeps that book alive within the profession and, and one that's so applicable today, even though it was written a number of years ago? I think that what was in the book was timeless in, in so many ways and at the cutting edge of thinking. When the first article that we wrote in this space around the science of experience management, which deals with uh, neuroscience and psychology and how we actually experience things and then how an organization can actually help facilitate how a person feels about themselves and an experience that they have, which in turn is how they feel about a company. And I think that it's the idea that we moved out of what was industrial age thinking into the age of experience and understanding unconscious thought and the application of unconscious thought and unconscious frameworks to experience management and experience design in particular. And the book is in its, uh, I guess, 54th printing. At the time that it came out, uh, the book won a Fast Company Reader's Choice Award. And in one of the reviews of the original work, John Dayton at the Harvard Business School said uh, that it was time for marketing people to stand up and read this information in this article and what the basis of the book is about. And to think that this is very similar to the invention of the steam engine, which preceded the science that was behind it. And he said what we were uncovering was a new science and that marketers and individuals should be very much aware that there was a new science evolving and that there was much to be learned. And I think that it was that element that was so critical. Uh, my co-author, Steve Heckel, was an expert in adaptive enterprise and the ability to sense and respond to know before customers even know uh, what they desired, what they felt, what they wanted, um, and whether there were problems with customers even before customers knew there was a problem. And so I think that our, our thought process well over three decades ago is sort of where much of the industry is heading uh, as you know, people are now beginning to talk about emotion, which was something that we were talking about and dealing with and developing tools around 30 years ago. And that those tools are still advanced in the marketplace today. Lou, the, 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 
point you made about finally getting to the emotion part, I, I might add to that too, that um, we still seem to be in a struggle for um, getting this whole experience management thing right. And uh, we're still seeking so many answers. What is it from your perspective that continues to cause poor experiences from organizations or continues to challenge organizations to improve? Where, where do you think we're at based on that three decades of knowledge and experience that you have with lots of major companies? Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think that what is so interesting to me, Bob, is that um, I asked a question uh, recently out of a panel that was talking about the advancements that they made in uh, experience management. And they were basically talking about metrics. And I think that metrics are extraordinarily important. Uh, don't get me wrong, but the measurements and metrics are not the only part of the game, if you will. Uh, because I think that we're very much into a fixing broken things world versus how do we create extraordinary value and imagine those things that move us beyond. And most organizations enter into the world of experience management and either there's a lack of definition from senior management in terms of what expectations are and everyone begins to think, well, it's a number that we want and it's let's fix what's broken. And yet everyone that enters into the space looks to companies like Amazon, uh, looks to companies like Google uh, and says, boy, I wanna be like that. And I think that the understanding of experience management is a holistic, complete and total picture versus a siloed department that is what used to be customer service departments relabeled as customer experience. And it's a much more holistic view of what is required. So when we begin to look at the world that we live in today, and begin to understand that uh, I recently read, I think it was in the New York Times this weekend, that employees at Google, at one of the Google operations, actually unionized. And I think that this is very, very interesting in as much as here is this organization that is technologically driven and we have the resurgence of a union uh, which is virtually almost unheard of in these days. And, and I wonder what that signals in terms of the future of employee experience, which is an area that I think that people look at as an additive versus part of the total structure of experience management. And there's been research for years and years that a great employee experience leads to an extraordinary customer experience. Yet uh, there are still departmental silos uh, where uh, HR functions see themselves in uh, 
a very functionary versus strategic part of the organization. Uh, so I'm quite intrigued by what happened at Google and the world of technology companies that may tend to dehumanize uh, the understanding of what it is that makes people tick. And what makes people tick is human experience. So I, I think that we're entering into a very interesting period of time. The work that we've done around the science of experience is what we refer to as clues or signals uh, that are processed on a deep unconscious level that literally the frameworks that are through which we see the experiences that we have in the world that we live in. And I don't think there's ever been a time more, uh, more demonstrative and an ability to demonstrate the importance of clues and signals than the world we live in today. When you look at the political environment and you look at overtaking the capital and you look at COVID and all of the things surrounding COVID. We are emotional beings. We have fears, we have anxieties, and we process signals and clues that affect our thinking on an emotional basis that drive what is an intellectual alibi. And those, I don't think we've ever lived in a time, uh, or at least I haven't, I'm not quite uh, 2000, I'm not Mel Brooks and the 2000 year old man. <laughs> but at least in my lifetime, I've never seen a time where there was greater clue sensitivity demonstrated than the times we're living in right now at this moment. And so in, some ways it brings great concern to me that organizations haven't awakened to the science of experience and how clues and signals and the management of clues and signals affect customers, employees, stakeholders, and literally realize that the value that they create is the total experience, every aspect of it. And I think that that is the major challenge in moving from what I call experience 1.0 to experience 2.0, the world that we're evolving into, where uh, we are communicating electronically, uh, we have a basic human need around connection and how is that going to be fulfilled? How does that get fulfilled in a new era so that we can actually uh, have these very primitive feelings that exist in the limbic pathways of the brain as we look at, at neuroscience that feel fulfilling, that, that actually meet our emotional needs I don't think we've ever lived in more anxious times where every signal, every clue, I don't know how many times I've checked now to try to get details on vaccine uh, here in Minnesota where I live. And it's like, 
I, there's a giant question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and that giant question mark leaves you feeling unsettled, uh, vulnerable, um, and yet they're, everyone is talking about how hopeful it is. And yet you're, you've got these other feelings that are contrary to hopeful with this big vacuum of doubt that exists. So I think that uh, these are times that really, really call attention to human experience and how human experience applies to customer experience and employee experience. And that's what we've dedicated ourselves to, uh, dedicated myself to over the years is understanding human experience and its application to customer experience, to employee experience. And uh, I think that that's the frontier uh, of what we need to be looking at and, and working with. And I, I, I get very frustrated when, you know, people are fixing broken things when you can zoom beyond that, uh, no pun intended on zoom here, <laughs> but you can actually uh, get greater um, velocity in marketplaces, uh, cut down on churn with employees. Um, we're living in very different times uh, and those different times, the underpinning of what was there, the science of human experience hasn't changed probably for 2000 years. I mean, when we look at uh, even religious rituals, uh, those were experiences embedded with clues and signals. And, and Lou, what, this is fascinating to me to hear you talk about the clues and signals. And for people that haven't read your book, you, you really need to, to pick up a copy of Clued In and, and uh, gain a better understanding of what Lou's talking about that we don't have time to cover in this podcast. But that being said, how do you think the clues are starting to evolve in consumer behavior now, Lou, from, you know, everybody uses March of 2020 as the benchmark date of when everything shut down and consumer behavior seemed to change overnight. We went online, we ordered everything online, even if we hadn't done so before, uh, you know, behavior, we, we um, hoarded certain products, you know, behavior changed significantly and some suggest forever. Uh, what are your thoughts on the evolution of clues and signals and consumer behavior that have been driven by the pandemic and other um, you know, very difficult situations that occurred in 2020. Yeah, I think that uh, what is so fascinating, you know, is everyone is saying, well, the world has changed forever. Well, the world is ever changing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not the same from one day to the next. And I think that being adaptive uh, and understanding that experiences are literally, if you understand and get inside the head of your consumer, the head of the individual, and can see the world through their unconscious processing, you will always be relevant. You will be able to adapt, you will be able to change, 
But if you look at it from a perspective of I make a product or I offer a service and look at it, basically the expression that we created years ago was um, looking customer back versus company out. And I think there's inside out. There are a whole bunch of different ways of phrasing it, but 30 years ago, we called it uh, looking company out versus customer back. And if you're looking at the world customer back and truly living that, you will always be relevant. So as these changes take place, and we've all experienced them. I mean, I've done more online. Uh, Bob, you've taught more classes online at, at the U of M. Um, we have to adapt. And as we adapt, the importance of understanding what our constituencies, whether it's an employee or whether it's a student, whether it's a customer, what are our constituencies feeling uh, versus how do they think about me? And, and this is one of the biggest switches uh, that I, I believe is huge in moving from the world of the industrial age to the world that we live in, which is more experiential, is to not be as concerned about how people feel about the company as much as how we cause what we do as an organization and how we cause our constituencies to feel about themselves, which in turn is how they feel about us. So when uh, I you know, ended up uh, making some uh, investments as we move to doing more online and ordered a bunch of uh, equipment on, online, uh, I encountered two different companies. Uh, one that was uh, on a return very helpful and worked me through the problem and actually saw that I was feeling uh, technically overwhelmed and helped me feel uh, much better about myself. Like, boy, I really understand how this microphone works now. On the other hand, there was another organization that treated it as a pure transaction. And did then I absolutely returned that, whereas the other unit where they were involved with me and engaged with me to make me feel better about myself caused me to feel better about the product. And yet the other product had better technical reviews and more technical capabilities, but it was about ultimately unconsciously how I felt about myself versus how I felt about the microphone. The age old dilemma, right, Lou? Relationships are transactions and <clears throat> it always continues to perplex me and and the companies that I work with around the challenge of being able to do both and understanding the signals and the clues from the customer as to when they want a transaction and when they need a relationship. Um, I often, when I'm teaching customer experience courses, I often ask participants and students, what do customers want transactions or relationships? And the the immediate response is usually, well, relationships, but the reality is that customers want both. It's just, they want them at different times. 
um, you know, when they have a technical issue, they want a relationship, help me get through this to your example. Uh, on the other hand, sometimes I just want to buy something and have it uh, invoiced correctly and shipped to me on time. And that's all I need. I don't need the relationship. So. So true, Bob, when, when you look at even the uh, uh, first day of employment and uh, many organizations an uh, HR department will look at that as a transactional day. And yet the moment that someone accepts an offer from a company is the beginning of an experience and acculturation into that organization and what that organization is about. We've been very fortunate. We did uh, work on a global basis with John Deere uh, on employee experience and how the brand and values of the organization are evidenced. And it was absolutely uh, unbelievable when you begin to look at how you can turn that day into a transformative day. In fact, uh, that particular work was written up in a book called Power of Moments written by Dan and Chip Heath uh, that actually used that John Deere uh, case study in, in their book. But that first day experience was designed in such a way that we knew exactly what we wanted people to feel globally that um, came to work for John Deere. And if you came to work for John Deere in India, you had no idea <laughs> what John Deere was, was all about. Uh, Mahindra was the big tractor manufacturer in, in uh, India owned by Tata. And now here comes this American company. And it was, it was really incredible. They had trouble having people showing up for work on the first day because the job market was so um, competitive and watching the results of that in terms of people who ended up becoming clue conscious and uh, designing a clue filled experience that created a specific, what we call an emotional motif which is that unconscious target that is the sweet spot that you want to hit with clues, that it isn't just random. Uh, because I think that what becomes so interesting is I remember doing work with, uh, actually it was IBM, having a group of uh, executives in the room and asking them what they thought customers wanted to feel about themselves when dealing with IBM. And I got uh, from 12 executives, I got 11 different end frames. And they were all the way from, well, we want them to think that we're, we're friendly. Everything was about the company. And I said, no, no, no. <laughs> Number one, each of you have a different thought in mind. There's no alignment. And number two, you're still talking about what they feel about the company versus how the company causes them to feel about themselves. So I think the vestiges of understanding that branding 
is much more expansive than how people feel about the company, but how the company causes people to feel about themselves when dealing with the company or organization. And that's a, a very transformative or difficult thought for some organizations to overcome. But boy, it's so important that they do, Lou. Uh, Lou, this has been, and not unexpectedly so, a, uh, a really great conversation. Um, I, I like to give my guests as we wrap up this podcast, the opportunity to share any closing thoughts. Uh, this is aimed at CX professionals, but certainly, um, uh, perhaps a better word is experience management uh, term, experience uh, management professionals. Any closing thought that you have to share with our listeners um, uh, based on your, your knowledge and experience in this area? I think that what I, I would encourage people to do is to realize that the purpose of their work, and often uh, I think this is the difficulty with living in a metrics-only environment, that metrics are critical. But if you view your world as achieving a specific number rather than making a difference in people's lives, that is the calling to someone who is truly involved in the world of experience management, whether it be customer or employee. It's impacting people's lives and making their lives better, which in turn has the rewards that a company reaps by actually improving the lives of people that they deal with, whether it's employees, whether it's customers, whether it's stakeholders, that the true value is ultimately the impact that we have and the opportunity that we have to make other people's lives more fulfilling emotionally. And that's a special calling. And I call upon CX and there are so many different terms now that fly around for experience management, but I call on everyone to be champions, to understand the science of experience management and understand the application of that in everything that we do from our interactions with other people, with our families, we live in a world of experiences and in organizations and companies, it's important to realize that the value we create is experiential and it's important to realize what Peter Drucker said many, many years ago, management guru, that the purpose of a business is to create value and the reward is profit. Lou, really appreciate those thoughts and comments and um, really appreciate the time you've spent today to my listeners, this has been another episode of All Things Considered CX with my guest, Lou Carbone. 
and we appreciate the time that Lewis spent with us. If you've listened to this podcast and enjoyed it, please share it with uh, others within your network and continue to listen to All Things Considered CX for our next podcast. Until we listen together again, thank you. This has been Bob Asman, your host. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit CXofM.org for more resources.